We wear caps and sleeves at this level, son. Understood? Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very somber edition of the California Penal League. Uh, Today's a very sad day for us. We are saying goodbye to a real one today. We're pouring one out for our boy, Carlos Santana. Los is no longer with us. He's still alive. Yes. But he's just within the the division playing for the Royals. (laughs) The big news uh, that we are currently dealing with emotionally is Carlos Santana, 10-year Cleveland Indian. We're still going to say Cleveland Indian for now because the other big news is that they're changing the name. So for now, we're just going to say Cleveland (laughs) Indians. It was just a confirmation of a confirmation we already knew. Exactly. Yeah, I thought they already made that announcement that like... yeah. When they when they were getting rid of the Chief Wahoo logo, yeah, uh, I was like, that, yeah, like, what do you think's about to happen? <laughs> right, <laughs> it's official now. But Carlos Santana, ten years with the team, uh, thirty five years old, I believe, thirty four. Yeah, thirty four. Um, heading into year thirty five. Yeah, yes. The accuracy, the devotion to accuracy department strikes again. He signed a two year deal uh, with the Kansas City Royals, two years, seventeen and a half million dollar deal Carlos Santana signed, which I was actually uh, just today listening to our first episode of this podcast. And we were briefly talking about Carlos Santana. And we all thought very wrong about what was going to happen with him in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, please do not hold us to those predictions. because what was it, Wait, Steve, what was one of our predictions? Like, what, 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 do, you, what do you think he was going to get? It ranged from, I believe, one year, eight million to, I think, as low as like, a, a training, like a spring training invite. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I did say maybe like a four, four to five million dollar like minor league invite. Yeah, we. Were I would have off. given him. I would. Hey, I would have given him nine mil over two years. I mean, yeah, nine million over two years. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Well, and it just goes to show. It goes to show you he was free agency this year is going to be strange because it's going to be so slow in what happens. But his was his signing was so fast because I think his agent was like, "You want to what? You want like sign him for huh?" <laughs> it's bonkers. So, yeah, we'll we're going to get into that. We're going to get into like the finances for everybody in this this like crazy COVID year. It's crazy that somebody got paid him that much. Like I love Carlos Santana so much, and like I don't blame him for taking that that deal because that. That was not going to be on the table for from any other team. No. Like I, I, twelve years, twelve million dollars for two years, maybe. Like, but and, wow. and we're already heading into like what week, week three, week four of the free agent market. No one signed, and this this, <laughs> this is, is one of the big, big free agency this, show. This is the big, yeah. This is the big. <laughs> we, uh, we have to scale this, it back. The big free agent <laughs> signing of the off season thus far. I guess Greg Holland also resigned with somebody. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at at this point. Um, if this is your first uh, time checking out the podcast, I am Steve. Uh, with me is uh, always, this is the core group, is uh, Chris and Anthony Fabiano, um, also known as Fabs. So uh, we, um, yeah, we're going to do that. We were going to plan this as like a big free agent kind of primer slash winter meetings thing. But the only update so far is that Carlos Santana signed this crazy deal. And currently Scott Boris was doing some video stream where he was talking about Jackie Bradley Jr. being as smooth as 
peanut butter and jelly. So we're kind of, that's sort of just where we're at right now. It's not much going on. But it is sad. Well, was I mean, Scott Boris really wrong? I would take Jackie Bradley Jr. We can get into some of our free agent targets God, here a little too. bit later. Uh, but let me tell you, let me let me just open this up because I think we're going to talk about like our favorite kind of memories of Carlos Santana and uh, some other fun stuff about him. But let me just throw this out to you right now is I think the Indians should retire the number 41 because let me give you a quick 30-year history of that number. There have been three guys since 1990 who have worn the number 41. Carlos Santana. And there's been one year where it hasn't been worn at all. So for literally 29 years, you've had Carlos Santana, Victor Martinez, and Charles Nagy. Those are the only three guys in the last 30 years that have worn the number 41. Retire that. How cool would that be to bring all of those guys back as you like do a collective retirement of that number, because you literally for like a generation of fans had three guys that meant so much to each era of that team. I think that would be a, such a cool thing to be able that's, to honor. That's those guys. a cool idea. That's, Any other yeah. team. I think it's a cool idea that I am sure like national media would just make fun of Cleveland for like trying to do something different. Um, but has any other team done that where they have like they split it amongst a few people who were meaningful to a the only thing that comes right off to mind is the Yankees with 42. Okay. Yeah. With right. Mariano Rivera and Jackie Robinson, with you know Robinson obviously being retired by the whole league. That's the only one that comes right to mind. And I mean, I can't imagine there would ever have been one that had three. Where they were like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Three, three, like, you know, I think it's just so, it's so interesting that, because I was kind of floored by it. I, I knew that's a good obviously Victor Martinez. And, that is, yeah, yeah. That's a, that, that wins some bar bets. Yeah. Like, they're, Once the, bars the only year, yeah, right. <laughs> the only year that it didn't, that no one wore it was the year between, uh, I believe it was like 2003 or something. It was like a gap between, or, it was either a gap between Nagy and Victor or Victor and Santana. I actually can't remember uh, what the gap was, but there was only one year. So literally for 29 years. And and it's so strange that it's three guys that had like a monumental impact on the team. Well, those are three guys that are definitely going to be... Well, Nagy, I, I, Nagy's already in the Indians Hall of Fame, I believe. And uh, Santana sure, believe. And, and Martinez are definite to be in there too. God, I love Victor Martinez so much. I'm... That's one of those, like... Yeah, so it was in 2007, Nagy was inducted into the um, okay. Indians Team Hall of Fame. So 2007, yeah. So yeah, okay. three dudes that are going to be in that in Heritage Park uh, in, in no time flat. Um, you, you, that, that's an interesting concept. Why not? I mean, why not? I, I, I think that's getting into Carlos Santana. I think that's what... He, I think it's a huge loss... Um, you know, not even a huge loss, like for how the team moves forward. It's just like a huge loss in the end of an era because I think he meant that much to the team. Um, he started out not necessarily like that, but ever since he took over at first base, he just became a leader of the team. He became, um, he's always had a great eye at the plate. Uh, he got better as a hitter as his career in Cleveland went on, which ended up was the reason why he went and signed with like Philly because he was like, you know, coveted and apparently coveted by the Royals now still. But once he kind of like dedicated himself to defense at first base, 
he just and and naturally became like a veteran of the team. He just became sort of, I mean, sharing it with in like sort of like a three person triumvirate of influence in the clubhouse. It was like him, Lindor, and Jose really are like glue on this team. And you miss that. Like that's why I miss him being on the team is because he does bring that element to it, and that'll be tough to replace. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think he's, yeah, he's like a, I mean, he's an Indians. Legend now, right? I mean, would you go that far? I mean, I, 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 you know, to get ready for today's show, I looked up some, some of the uh, Indians' all-time records, and he's number five in Indians history in home runs with two hundred sixteen, which That's I kind of thought was a little, uh, oh, a little yeah. ironic, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's tenth all-time in doubles with two hundred seventy-three, and then the next. Uh, ones that I could find. He was second in both walks and strikeouts. So, that strikeouts um, is interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, surprising. Is Jim Tommy? I, I was one? a little shocked. Jim Jim Tommy was number one in both of those. <laughs> like a mile. <laughs> I mean, you you know darn well Jim Tommy was. Uh, yeah, but that's he, not. I mean, those are good. I, that's a great way to put it. That yeah. the dude just. I mean, he was here for a decade, so he was going to put up numbers regardless. Thing, you know, it's not a lot of guys stick around too, for 10 years. He stuck around for 10 years. He played thirteen over 1,300 games. If you look, go if you go back and just look at his statistics, the guy only missed a handful of games every season. You could count on him Super every yeah, for sure. year. Yep. Right. It, um... It is it, yeah, it, it 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 is a bummer. He had a you know career, let's see, uh with the Indians he had a career like 368 on base percentage. His average uh was 251 over the 10 years. Um and I know that it's so it's so interesting because he had so many different like eras on this team as, just for himself. Like he had the the era where he was the leadoff hitter. There was the era where everybody was pissed at him because he wasn't the the power hitter in the middle of the lineup that people wanted him to be because he was drawing walks. He had that weird uh, moment where they tried to make him the third baseman. And yeah. I distinctly remember when I, that was when I was working for the AP because I asked, I was, I went to spring training that year in 2014 when they were trying to make him a third baseman. And he had like some shit game <laughs> where he had like two errors. And I apparently very stupidly asked Terry Francona, like Uh-oh. if they had any worry, if they had any worries about Carlos Santana at third base, and he looked at me like he was gonna punch my face in, and was just like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Uh, <laughs> I don't know." On, on next week's episode, Steve will tell you about the next time he ran into Terry Francona. There have been I had in like my you've had two or three seasons, good run-ins. Yeah, I, I had. He, I think it was just because like he, I wasn't always on that side. That he, I think he just constantly forgot who I was, and I think he just thought I was some asshole that was just like trying to like get one, you know, buy him or something, and like make him look bad because you should constantly ask him about Boston and how that ended, dude. I, sh- I mean, if I wanted to be like escorted out, because <laughs> <that would have laughs> he was, I mean, he was like. Kind of like a cool guy, but I don't know. He was, he's definitely, a, of all the managers I ever talked to, he was higher on the list of ones that just like to give you shit because, like, it was a weird dynamic with him. There were guys that were super, super nice, but 
I would not put him necessarily in that, um, that case unless you were like one of his dudes. Okay. So that was one of my personal experiences with Carlos Santana. I did uh, interview him a few times and he was like a super nice guy. I always liked him. I, I just, I think he was just like, and from all the things like longer term writers were saying when he left for the Royals, was because this is like, he's gone for the final time is people were like, you know, just heaping praise on him as like a nice dude in the clubhouse, good interview, just a, just a leader, you know, uh, among the guys. And, uh, you know, it'll be hard to replace it. it, This one feels more than, I will say this more than Lindor, Carlos Santana feels like the end of an era. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And you brought up a good point too, that I I think he kind of glanced over too. You know, when he did arrive, he was expected to be the heir apparent to Victor Martinez. And he didn't quite live up to that billing right away. Uh, and you could, you could even make the argument he never really truly lived up to quite that billing. But he That's was right. rock he did, solid. He was, he was a rock solid also an years. outfielder. The yeah. dude literally played was, almost every position. I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, you, you missed the one era of, Carlos Santana in 2016 when he played left field in the World Series. <laughs> and when we were in Chicago. I mean that the guy, the guy was just the ultimate team player. You know, he wherever he stuck him in the lineup, he would he would do it. You know, he would he didn't I, I you never heard about him complaining. Nope. You know? And and like you said, he worked himself into being a heck of a first baseman, gold glove-esque caliber first baseman, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more, uh, I think, later in this episode, because that's going to be a fun position to replace. Yeah, (laughs) among the many Uh, positions that we'll get into. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and Steve kind of got into this, is he's a foundational piece with club culture. And in baseball, club culture is one of the biggest components for success. Obviously, it takes talent, but club culture can win you those random World Series like yep. the Nationals two years ago. Obviously, the Nationals had some six starting pitching and they had some clutch hitting, uh, but they they also got along really well behind the scenes. Um, it And so uh, the Royals are another example of that, where you become like so close, like obviously the talent has to be there as well. You can't just, over the course of 162 games, you're not going to just rely on us all getting along together and, and like being in unison as, as a team. That's not really how it works. But when the Indians have the starting pitching that they have, losing a piece like this is something you're really going to, uh, it could really hurt because there's just, it's just another question mark for this team with, with okay, who's going to replace them? How is he going to fit in with some of the more veteran guys? And that's, I think, the hardest part because Santana didn't have a good year last year. I mean, we've gone over this. He batted 199. Granted, it was a super small sample size, so it might have been an anomaly because in 2019, he did have a good year. And I hope he has a great, great, even though they're in our division, I hope he has a great year in uh, Kansas City um, because I'm really worried about Kansas City competing for anything in the next two or three years. But it just sucks. Like, he's we're going to get into our favorite moments and Steve has the same favorite moment of uh, Santana that my mind always goes to. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll get into that in a minute, but I agree. Like Lindor, that was just something that was inevitable. Like we, 
we once he didn't sign that extension directly following the World Series, we all were just kind of like, okay, this is like this is gonna come. Hopefully, they win a World Series before he leaves. Um, right, and it's gonna be really hard to replace Lindor. I'm not yeah. saying it's not, but Lindor him him signing extension would do much more damage to the Indians than Santana signing one. Even at that crazy like nine million a year price tag. So would you have done that? Would you have paid that? I, I, okay. So we're we're gonna get into this soon, but like, if the Indians payroll is gonna be forty million fucking dollars, then yeah, I would stupidly pay (laughs) nine million dollars for Carlos Santana. It's not he's not worth that given his production last year. But if 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 our payroll ends up being below fifty million dollars, I'm gonna like puke and shit myself. Because this is the best rotation in the league. Probably <laughs> it's not close. Um, it's better than the Dodgers rotation. It's deeper. Our bullpen's super deep. And to be so short-sighted about how bad of a year financially you had when you lost $60, 70000000 million. Dude, everybody in the world was impacted this year. You losing 60 or $70 million, that sucks. Like I'm not going to say it doesn't. But you probably also made it in the stock market. You made that money back. Your your Indians lost money, but billionaires everywhere globally, they made a shitload of money this year because the stock market has been doing great business. So like, yeah, I'm sorry you lost your money, but that that's a write-off for you. Like you still need to field a competitive team, especially when you have like a bunch of great players there. I'm not saying spend three hundred dollars for Lindor, but if you're gonna spend forty yeah, no. million dollars. Like you're not the Marlins. Like that's that's where fans are gonna get oh, real pissed off. Oh well let me tell you this. Okay. I would have taken that money because I think first base you can actually you have some options there that that do make some sense. I would have if I wanted to go back to the well of nostalgia and find a guy that fits in with my team, because I'm with you on that. Like their window is still not it's not closed. So there, it, it is conceivable that you could resign a 34-year-old for two years and be like, we're going to give it one more run. Because the Nationals, when they won, uh, they were the oldest team in baseball, I believe. Right. So there is something to be said for having older dudes on your team. And you don't yeah, I you never know when taken, you're going to have a young guy who just like delivers like, like they did. Like I mean, they had a couple of young guys who were clutch in the postseason. Right. Um, but go ahead. Sorry. Right. I mean, it's, it's a but good thing. Young guys both. also sometimes um, struggle, too, and... It's not always a sure thing. I would have taken that money, you know, as a free agent. Michael Brantley, dude, he is a free agent this year. I know. Uh, Yeah, but I, I still think Brantley's going to demand somewhere, think some somewhere closer to fifteen. It's possible. I do have some other options uh, for free agents that we can get into. Luckily, they saved nine million dollars, so that they only need to come up with uh, six million, which I'm sure they'll really pay. Technically, right. they save somewhere closer to like eighteen. Right, you're right. By not also, picking up, let's not by not the picking up Santana's saved, option, throwing away Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber for almost nothing other than like Fran Mel Reyes, like that's thirty million dollars right there. I mean, dude, I'm pretty happy with that trade off. No, I am too. I I am too. Like, but like, it's the, the 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 thing is, those are savings for you. So like, the you're, the, you're not expected to like fully spend that money. But maybe you spend like a third of it, and and because if your payroll ends up being forty million dollars, and Brantley signs a deal somewhere for for thirteen million dollars, you're 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 telling me you can't afford a 
$53 million payroll to shore up left field and give you another bat to pretty much replace Lindor's productivity and then whatever you recoup in that trade for him. Right there, automatically, you have three good bats in your lineup with Ramirez, Reyes, and Brantley. And then if you trade for like uh, the the Mets trades we've we've thrown around, that's four. Your first half of your lineup is set. And then Perez is like a pretty consistent 18 to 20 home run guy. And then if you have a young guy who shows up, you immediately have like the second best uh, hitting roster in your division and the best rotation. But let me play devil's advocate here. With, with we're getting all nostalgic here, and and I would have I I mean, let me say this before I start. Santana is the one free agent that I kind of wanted to see come back. Maybe only on a one year deal, but that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> but we have a, this this glut of talent just waiting on the doorstep by most you know minor league insiders' perspectives. To play devil's advocate, you know, if we were to go and re-sign all these guys and have that payroll that's pushing $60 million, do we then, in hindsight, go, well, when they trade off somebody, not saying that that he's even on the market, but a Nolan Jones. We trade a Nolan Jones for a piece down the line, and then he goes and tears it up with, you know, Pittsburgh or someone, like Brian Giles did back in the day then are we going to be kicking ourselves and saying we should have held on to him because that's kind of where, where I think we as Cleveland fans tend to, we overvalue our prospects, but we overvalue our, our agents. Yeah. Cause they provide a moment for us where it's exactly. like we get so close. And I, I'm not saying you, you, cause the Indians are never stupid with their money. That's like the one thing they're, they're good at evaluating. They're good at winning trades and they're smart with their money except for a couple of outliers over 30 years, which is really impressive. I'm saying if Brantley's available and you're and you're saying our cap is $55 million for payroll this year, we need to recoup some of our losses and your payroll is going to be 35 or $40 million all in, then you make the deal and you you sign Brantley then. I'm not, like that's not stupid nostalgia. That fills an immediate need and adds a bat. Like that's, I, I love Michael Brantley, but I want to sign him because he's productive. If he is if he's if he's hitting two hundred and five home runs or fifteen home runs, but striking out two hundred and fifty times, I don't care. Like I love him, but like I don't want to resign him. Like I want to sign him because he fills a need and he he would do well. And just he happens to be an Indian that I enjoyed. So like if if he was never a Cleveland Indian and I and he was just with the Astros and he had the same career. I would love to get Michael Brantley. Sure. Mm-hmm. And let right. me say this too. Michael Brantley and, and Carlos Santana are two guys that I would totally be on board with them going after with these kinds of deals that we've said. Because I do think that they could afford both of those guys at the the deals that they're probably gonna get. That 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 Santana did get and that Brantley probably will get. I think we could totally afford that within our current structure. Then make them two year deals like Santana got in KC, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I agree. Because yeah, there's really no defense for it. I mean, I the the Brantley deal I think would be a more would be a smarter one. Totally. I, I think it's a little Santana for all of the good stuff he did with the team 
uh, last year gives me pause. And then he's had years where he's just been okay at the plate where like, you know, he ends the season hitting 230 or yeah. whatever. He, I think he the never... trend's starting to show on, on Santana's career. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's understandable. He's, you know, played for 11 seasons and, you know, the dude's been durable as hell. So not a knock on him. It's just like, I don't know if I give him a two-year deal. And I know he has an injury history, but Brantley is a very proven hitter where they desperately need one. And I mean, we've said this on multiple episodes. It's like they would have solved like 95% of their problems over the last like two seasons <laughs> if they had just signed him to the deal that he yeah. got with the Astros. You cannot you tell the me they couldn't afford in the process. that. You make the Astros weaker in the process by doing that. And he's a great clubhouse dude. So you, you keep that good culture that the Indians are like pretty known for. Um, he probably retires here because you probably would have just re-signed him to like the next deal. Yeah, for sure. You get him. Gets. You yeah. probably get him cheaper than you 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 would have to get him now. And yeah. I mean, like, I don't know realistically if the Indians are going to spend any money. Like, I don't think they will. Um, they, the writing is already on the wall because they're already getting their guys out there talking about their giant losses, which tells me that's their cover. And I'm not saying they didn't have giant losses. Everybody did, but that tells me like. There will be surprised if they spend five million dollars a year on a free agent, and so it, it, it's like going to be bleak. I'm I'm hoping that maybe they can get some kind of awesome deal with Brantley. I don't think they're going to be able to, but like if I if if you're telling me like, hey, we're going to get one dude that we're going to spend a little bit of money on, everybody else would just be prospects or who we get in the Lindor trade. Then I would if of the whole free agency market, I would just pick. I would pick Brantley because it's a deal like the Indians could like fathomably afford. Like they're not going to be able to afford Ozuna or anything like that. And it's a position we need. He's an Indian. He grew up in the in the, like with the team. He knows the guys and uh, most of the guys in the clubhouse. And he's like still like pretty productive. Like I that, but I don't know if we're ever going to get that. I don't think we are. If we if we spend more than eight million dollars a year on a, a free agent, I will like freak out. Yeah, I think I, I think the Dolans are a little snake bitten still when it comes to free agents. I mean, if you look at the three three of the bigger deals that they've given out here in the last couple in the last decade, you got Michael Bourne, Nikki Swish, mm. and Edwin. Edwin Pan. And outside of outside of Edwin for a year and a half, although he was trash in the playoffs, he was yeah, trash in the playoffs. Yeah, he was, but he still I mean, like, got, hit pretty well. And they need to get over up, the Nick Swisher deal. He still did his deal. 30 homers and 100 Like, get RBIs. over the Nick Swisher deal. That was like 10 years, 12 years ago. I, I, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. That I was, think uh, I think that there's a part of their, right now, I their... I think a part of their thinking is still kind of them being stake-bitten by that deal. Well, they're not... And I mean, they're I not agree. A team get over it. Get over it. Yeah. But no, it's you're not right. my money. You're totally right. Well, they're not... And, and as a small market team, they're not the Yankees where, like, if they make a bad... Like, they, yes. you know, James Paxton it was a very bad deal for the Yankees, but it didn't affect them because they were just like, fuck it. <laughs> Who yeah. cares? To, bo we, we, to borrow know? a line from from uh, the Tiger King, they would not be able to financially recoup from that. Yes. <laughs> they'd be yeah. in financial ruins. It's... Not a lot of teams have that luxury of being able to make a boneheaded free agency decision. And honestly, like Nick Swisher, 
like he had some okay moments with the team. I think he was more of a clubhouse cancer than anything. Yeah. I think people just hated his guts from everything I heard when I was working there. It was like people just hated him. They got a and cool every other promotion. Has hated him. So and, and managers have hated him. So there's something to be said there. Uh, you know, so and Michael Bourne was like, I think probably just like that one is very easily written off as a very shitty signing. But the way he played, I mean, he was he was a Bradley Zimmer, Grady Sizemore, reckless abandoned center fielder, and by the time he got here, right? Does anyone have a Bradley Zimmer update? What's going on with him? I haven't heard from. Um, uh, let's see. You'll never see him again. I would. I would. Someplace. I would be I shocked. Know. I mean, barring like injuries to people. I'd be shocked if he played for the Indians again. I, I I really would be. I think I think this is this is his last year. I think I think this is going to be his last year with the team. Um, I think they're going to tell if, us if he, he does re, anything. Reimagine his swing again, and uh, this is the year. <laughs> this is the this is the year. And then if it doesn't happen, I think they're moving on because. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil you know too much about what. Uh, some free agent moves, but just looking at the 40 man roster and some of the guys in Columbus and Akron, we got a couple options. And if he doesn't figure it out, the maybe only, we can have a, uh, maybe we can have a adios Bradley Zimmer. We hardly knew the uh, <laughs> podcast in a year. I was so excited about Bradley Zimmer like three years ago. I was just like, oh, everybody man. was. Yeah. We all talked ourselves into being like, when we traded Clint Frazier, it was like, oh, well, we really wanted Bradley Zimmer. So like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a crap? <laughs> um, all right. So before but we'll move on, because uh, I know we got a lot to say on uh, free agency and non-tendered, non-tendied players. But real quick, what is everybody's favorite Carlos Santana memory uh, with the team? I will say this. The dude hit six walk-off home runs in his career with the Indians, which I thought was pretty sweet. That's not my favorite memory, though. Although he was very clutch uh, towards the end, especially towards the end of his uh, run. But I want to get your guys' favorite. Well, I'll start. Um, I know the memory that comes distinctly to memory is that that pop-up in Toronto to, to get us to the World Series. So that's up there. But my, my favorite Carlos memory, it, it probably is that, truth be told. Uh, second favorite is uh, his wasn't even when he was here in Cleveland. It was, uh, and it's just all hearsay. Um, when he bashed the TV in Philly, <laughs> when the guys were playing video games as they were yes. going through a yes. horrendous losing streak to end that season and, and fall out of playoff contention, you know, just that kind of clubhouse <laughs> leadership role. Uh, I, I I liked it because. He was yeah. also the guy who would play uh, Jose Santana in Mario Kart the year before. So that's amazing. Oh, that's Jose great, Ramirez. That's a or Jose. I'm sorry, yeah. What did I say? Who did I say? Jose Santana. Yeah, Jose Santana. Jose. I'm my goodness. Uh, we that's all a great. Pick. We all knew. That's a great. Uh, that's funny. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. That's so great. bashing a TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I mean, mine is definitely. I mine's the the World Series clinch. Uh, clinching against Toronto, I was, uh, because, you know, MLB and their infinite wisdom, it was like a day game on like oh, yeah. FS1. I was streaming it in my office 
at work. And um, I was just like so excited. It was just awesome. It was like the perfect, like, they're up, what, what I think 3-1 in the series. They were like kicking ass that game. Yep. It was one of those just like, that's what you want your clinching or your championship to be. I don't need the stressful, like, game seven Warriors moments going. Like, I can, I can, enjoy, I like, I want to enjoy some of these moments because those 95 and 97 Indians, while I love them with all of my heart, those were some stressful ass, like, clinching moments where it was just, it didn't need to be like this, guys. We can, we can win series four, four, oh, or, or four to one. Like, yeah. so it was just a great, nice, like, we're going to do it. Who's it going to be? Who's going to get, who's going to get the final out? And it was just a bloop. And then Santana got to do the arms up in foul territory. I, it was awesome. I, I so badly wish they could have just clinched it because that team came out of nowhere. That, that's, I love that team so much. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite moment. I'll, I'll never forget. That's the I when I hear his name, I just like go right to that moment, being in my office and just being so excited. Fabs, you brought up a good point too. I and I and I'm having flashbacks to that game. I believe my friend texted me at like nine thirty that morning, telling me that tickets on StubHub were going for you know, less than 40 bucks in the lower bowl of Skydome. Um, and me <laughs> contemplating it for a good five minutes. You know, how do I justify this to my wife? And luckily that was right around the time of my birthday. So I was like, oh, it's my birthday present, babe. And yeah. now uh, <laughs> four, four or five years later, kind of kicking myself, not actually taking my friend oh, up oh my on, God. <sighs> on going up to Toronto for that game. That, that postseason, I was rooting so hard because... I the Cubs looked looked like this juggernaut. The Indians came out of nowhere. And I was rooting so hard for the Dodgers because I knew the Dodgers weren't ready to win a championship yet. And they were playing the Cubs in the NLCS. And I was rooting so hard. Like, please just upset them because I think the Indians can win this. I and and we have Trevor Bauer having his hand like gashed open from the drum. So we're down (laughs) a starting pitcher. So I'm like, we could maybe beat the Dodgers because they weren't the current Dodgers. It's like, and did Corey Kluber if, pitch every game? Is that yeah, possible? Yeah, Corey Kluber just pitched him every, make him sign hey, they tried him. him. Him and Andrew Miller almost did. I know, they yeah. almost did it. But I was rooting because it's like Dodger Stadium, if we can get up in that series, I can watch the Indians clinch in Los Angeles. I would definitely have like a change of Dodgers clothes for the parking lot walk to not get my <laughs> ass beat. But like in the stadium, Smart I'd be move. rooting out there in, in the outfield with yeah. my $100 ticket. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my I same memory for me is when he uh, catches the pop up in foul territory and goes down on his knees and just like looks up to the sky. Because oh, the thing about that that was so fitting and cool was that it's sometimes hard to or easy to forget that Carlos Santana was started his career with the Indians in 2010 when they were dog shit. <laughs> I mean, the dark days. Was that Manny Acton? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Casey Kochman at first base era. I remember arguing with my uncles about how good of a hire Manny Acta was, and I was so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, although he used to call his the best thing about Manny Acta was that he his nickname for Josh Tomlin was he used to call him the little cowboy because he had like custer like hair. <laughs> so he'd always walk around calling him his little cowboy. And so, like, that's by far the best thing Manny Acta ever Dude, did. Dude, Josh Tomlin. I thought you were going like, to say bringing back the fedora, but I mean, I do like that. 
<laughs> Josh Tomlin started some like a World Series game for us that year. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was like, I mean, he was a vital piece of that. He won a World Series game. He started two World Series games. He started. Game he won like, that. He won that one to nothing game in uh, yes. Chicago. That's yeah, right. the because three, everybody was hurt and yeah. <laughs> banged up, and it was literally Kluber and Tomlin oh and Andrew God. Miller. God. That was that was the staff. Um, but and Ryan Merritt that one game in Toronto, right? And his cowboy boots. And his um, cowboy boots. <laughs> the uh, but the, but I just thought it's like you know it's 2016. It's like seven seasons with the team. He he suffered through some awful awful baseball. I love when guys are with the team for that long and like they just get to have that moment where it's like I was through the rebuilding, I stuck yeah. it out, and now I get to like reap the benefits and I get to be in the World Series. So that was just so cool and fitting that he the anti Joe Thomas, if you will, where it just never. Oh, comes. I know that. I know. <laughs> oh, poor man, that poor bastard. If he could have just held on, he could have at least been part of like. A fun season, right? That first Baker season <laughs> it was so like, close. It was like kind of fun. It was two years <laughs> away. <laughs> I that, think he has some good antics during his time. He did, I and mean, he's going to go down. All like I want the, the top like two or three left tackles of all time. Yeah, I mean, I'll read he, the Joe. He Thomas got to live book. through the Johnny Manziel era. Come dude, on, dude, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Where he Joe questions Thomas, whether I mean, he actually wants to block for his quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like. How but they I mean, seem yeah, to be first great question, friends like, now. Yeah, they do seem to be buddies. I, the first question to Joe Thomas is like, how did you make it look like you were blocking when really you weren't for Johnny Manziel <laughs> at the time? Like, how did you make it look like a, a guy got around you? I remember that. that that's, that's a question you gotta that's the question you gotta ask Joe after about five five cases of beer. Oh, yeah, he's in Wisconsin. With any recording. Not with yeah. any recording devices around because totally. he's not gonna he's not gonna give you the, the that straight answer. I remember yeah. hating that pick so much because I was stupid and I was just like, oh, left tackle is so boring. Brady Quinn's on the board. What are you guys doing? <laughs> and this girl from my dorm, uh, Scott Quad, oh you call out, uh, came you- to my room just sobbing because she was a big Browns fan and a Notre Dame fan, and she's like, we could have had Brady Quinn. And then I went to like, I went out to some party. And then uh, my dad called me and they're like, they traded for Brady Quinn. I'm like, it begins today. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> Fabs ran out and got the Quinn jersey. I, I will never. Jersey. I will never. I too. Our, our collective friend, John, uh, <laughs> I, he is and I, our greatest shame, our greatest shame on earth. I went to his house for the draft one year and I. We both vividly remember literally us jumping up and down when the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. <laughs> like we were <laughs> We were so excited. I oh, did the money Manziel in my one bedroom <laughs> studio of my wife who just stared at me wondering whether or not she wanted to divorce me. I was like, it's money time. She's just oh, like, man. oh, God. And then in that first preseason game where he gave Washington, I think it was Washington, the sideline, the finger during the preseason game, I was like, oh, no. Not- <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's kind of cool. Uh, not really. Oh, shit. He was like, hey. probably like three for 10 in that series. <laughs> and then the costume, the Vegas disguise he wore. Billy? Billy. Yeah, Billy. Billy. 
<laughs> or like, hey, I remember like, he was uh, responsible for one of the greatest texts in the NFL history. <laughs> Come oh get me, and we'll wreck this league. God. Oh, oh he wrecked this team. Yeah. And then Kyle Shanahan was just so happy he got I, out of I, there. I will, Kyle I will, Shanahan had a 35-point yes. PowerPoint of why he should be able to leave. He wanted nothing to do with that man. Before I die, I have to see the PowerPoint that Kyle Shanahan put together <laughs> that was like, let me get the fuck out of here. Oh, well, well, that'll be released to the public before the UFOs and, yeah. and yeah. the Kennedy papers. Yeah. Oh my God! That's coming soon. And I remember oh, that play man. where he he ran to the sideline to pretend like he was talking to Kyle Shanahan. He's like, "Go!" But they were in some illegal formation, and it didn't count. <laughs> God, uh, I need to go back and watch some highlights, man. The Giants, uh, like people who like like especially younger Browns fans at this point, go back and watch Johnny Manziel. Like I'll call them highlights because you just won't. I've never seen somebody so not built for the NFL. <laughs> I was I was at the first game he got into shocking. in Buffalo, and the excitement that he brought the one drive, the first drive he was in, took taking some downfield. I think he scrambles in for the touchdown, and then in the back of my mind, just thinking that is not built to last. Yeah, that's not sustainable. That's that is not sustainable. Yeah, he's not even like Lamar all. Jackson, like six foot three. He's like. 5'11", and like... 5'11", 210. Yeah. And it was just scrambling for his life. And I just remember a drunk woman and drunk man at the chimney sweep, which is the Browns backer bar in Los Angeles, getting into a screaming match because she was like in love with Johnny Manziel. She's like, it's okay, baby. You're doing great. You're doing great. And like the drunk guy's like, we're so fucked. Like, this is not going to (laughs) work. This is only sustainable for two games. Because that was the Hoyer, Brian Hoyer season where we started out like real, like five and three. And it was like, we're winning. Better I think even that, right? better than like seven and like four or something like That's that. That's right. When they when that was at the year when they were like, pay this man yes. <laughs> after he beat the Bengals on Thursday night football. Yes. <laughs> God. <laughs> but the other thing about 2016 was like when Carlos made that catch to you know seal the the clincher. That was 2016 after the Cavs had won the title. It was such a magical year. Uh, like it was all just so and the Cavs were showing up. Just, they were showing up in yeah. the stadium like. Yes. Because they had their championship like banner unveiling during the World Series. Like it was like game one. Game game one. one. Everyone was was like, game one was uh, opening night for the Cavs. Yep. Yeah. And and you've just got that like amazing uh, uh, gif and video of game seven when Rajay Davis hit the tying home run and LeBron's (sighs) just going like goddamn crazy in the street. Like that is just one of the coolest. I still like watch that. Just, just for fun, because it was that fun of a moment, even if no. they lost. I like, still, I, still I, st- <laughs> I, I, I don't think I I've watched it. it. I think I've watched it once since, just because I know how it ends, and I, it's too exciting a play to not still enjoy. Oh, it really of a, is heck of a like, heck of a play. A don't world, get me wrong. It's, yeah, it's an all-time World Series moment that, despite how it ultimately ends, is like it's still worth checking out. So. So that definitely, for me, solidifies why you retire his number slash put him. I mean, it's like a no-brainer that he's in the Indians Hall of Fame someday. But like going all the way back to the original point, that's why I think it would be. It'd be I cool like that idea. To, that's really cool to do Steve. that. I've, I've never even yeah. like fathomed doing that, but I think that's really cool because all of them were, like you said, parts of like 
because Martinez was with us when we almost beat Boston to play the terrible Rockies yeah. in the World mm-hmm. Series. And he played with Martinez for, I think, like eight or nine seasons as yeah, well. Something like 2002 to 2010. During the, the big like boom that. in the 90s. Yeah, that's that's like all the... 2008 or... Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that a so, lot. That's, yeah. That's a, so, that's hey, Dolans, idea. if you guys want to sell out, get a bunch of uh, 25 to, what, 40-year-olds in the stands that night? Yeah, you can make... Oh, a, you can like, 41. You can make a grotesque bobblehead that has all three of their heads on a body. On Slider's oh, dude, body. Make it like make it like the thing where like the body is like splitting open of Charles Nagy and like Victor Martinez is like morphing with it. Like and that their fingers so cool. are like the different managers they had, like Mike Hargrove's oh. like head. <laughs> oh, luckily this is for the Indians, but I somehow need it. <laughs> luckily for the Indians, like they're not maniacs when it comes to managerial decisions, so it wouldn't be like the Browns where it would be some grotesque monster at least oh, it, it has like 45 fingers yeah yeah <laughs> it would be the, like the browns couldn't the browns could not make that promo in. like it's just yeah they would get a call from like not, the largest not, manufacturer not allowed by in the physics. world we no. don't have the materials <laughs> that exist on this yeah, planet like, to construct right. that you're asked yeah no we need otherworldly materials that we don't even know about yet you mean to yeah. construct fifty thousand of them no just the prototype it would take they'd have to get like every resource we own. They'd have to get like 32 sponsors on that bobblehead to pay for it. It would be like Sugardale, Progressive, like, like every key bank. Do, do you guys think the Indians should lean? This is like so off a topic, but because of the name of our podcast, do you think the Indians should lean way more into Major League than they do? They, I mean, there have been years where they've just run out of ideas and done it. Like okay. they've done the Ricky Vaughn glasses. They did the bobblehead. Yeah. They've done, I think, didn't they do like a Jersey giveaway for Dorn? And I believe so. Okay. I'm just waiting on the, I, I believe also in like the nineties, I know they're floating out, out there someplace, but there was actual like a team set of cards. I don't know if it was a promo item or if it was something mm. that like oh, Donris cool. did. Top's but, archives did one like six or seven years ago, and they yeah. did like autos of like the guy, the act. Uh, the Maybe actor, that's obviously. what I'm thinking. Oh, of. that's awesome! I, 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 yeah. I, I've been trying to get my hands on some of those. Um, I have a few. Yeah, I got a few. I would, I would uh, definitely get the backup catcher who had to like recite the Playboy information to complete the throw. <laughs> yeah, because he got the yes. I, I want Tomlin, the left fielder. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just yeah. Who, I want... Who's never brought up in the movie? He just makes like one catch, and right. you hear Bob Euchre go Tomlin with the out. <laughs> yeah, I would say that now with the Indians entering a period of uh, you know the usual waning fan interest, I think you could see them do something again. Because actually, they did something actually. I think when the movie turned twenty, 30? I think they're thirty 20? years old. Some, I think some... it's thirty something now. Yeah, uh, eighty nine, right? Yeah, I believe is when it came out. Yeah, they yeah, you're right. They did, yeah, they you're right. Last year, 30th. yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy? Um, like, it would be very funny. They would never do this, and we're gonna have a whole name change episode. But if they renamed them like the Cleveland Penal Leagues or something like that, was just so on brand with our podcast that it was just. I was like, gonna yeah. say if they named them the Cleveland Penal Leagues, I believe that we're contractually obligated to have season tickets for the <laughs> for perpetuity. You know. For not only our lives, but our children's our children, lives and our, our children's, children's, children's children. lives. It would be um, interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting if they went the route. We'll get and we'll we'll devote a whole episode to this. But uh, 
doing something around Major League, like something around like a character name, or I, it would be interesting. As long as they don't rename the team the Wild Things. Ugh. I'm sorry. Did you see? Okay, so one of the other things was somebody. <clears throat> there's always these trademark sleuths, and uh, the one today was that somebody in August trademarked Cleveland Citizens as a potential name. And people were freaking out that like, the that most might be bland a, name. The Cleveland citizens. Yeah, that was a name. I guarantee. That was, I guarantee was all our listeners. I guarantee all our listeners that when we do our podcast and we do our top five names, we will not be bringing that kind of garbage to the table. Oh we'll no, I'm doing heat. like we'll be dragon bringing. balls or some like crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like dragon nut sacks. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, baby. Um. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it's out there, but maybe. Um, I'm here. I'm here and talk. I'm here and talk. <laughs> I trademarked it, so it's a possibility. Got my ear to the street. It's trending. <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, in in things that will break your heart potentially, maybe for one of them, the Indians have been busy non-tendering players, uh, basically because they don't feel like going to arbitration. So. Okay, can you well, guys we have quickly explain bravo, what that bravo. Explain what that means to people who don't who don't know what that means. Uh, they're just not giving contracts to players they don't feel that deserve them. Basically, I mean, they, and they don't want to go to arbitration and be forced yeah, they don't to pay wanna, more. So yeah, the, the arbitration process is pretty. You, you like to avoid it if possible. Let's put it that way. It's uh, it's not a fun process because you know that's when you get the agent and the players. Uh, sides together and then the team sides and you basically go well you hit 140 in the month of may uh you hit 200 the rest of the season we're gonna give you three million dollars and then the player and the agent go well no we also had 60 rbis so and so over here has 60 rbis we want four mil and uh indians didn't feel like doing that so and usually it ends up like half, you know, it's like, okay, yes, three and a half. Yes, you know? three and a half. And and then the arbitrator, you know, usually kind of draws the line in the sand and in the middle and, hey, this is what you guys got to pay. So um, by, by usually means that, like, them, what's, the, what's the option? The so now they're, 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 yeah, free, they're agents. free agents. They're free agents. Okay. So basically, like, uh, the three players that they've recently non-tendered were uh, Tyler Naquin, Jeffrey Rodriguez, and uh, Delino DeShield. So basically... Like Naquin and Shields were expected to get somewhere around like two to two and a half million dollars yeah. through. They saved at least four mil. Yeah, so I mean that seems super cheap, but the Indians were like, nah, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> and it could have been more. It could have even been more because sometimes that happens too. And Jeffrey Rodriguez has been plagued by some injuries, and so they just were like, I mean, we'll take our chances. Our pitching is so deep. We'll just see what happens. Uh, I would venture to guess that they are very interested in trying to bring back Tyler Naquin on some sort of crazy friendly deal, or uh, it would have to be an in- a major league invite to camp because it's like I don't know how much cheaper you can get than a two million dollar deal. Yeah, um, but like Tyler Naquin's another guy where it's like I can't imagine teams are knocking down the door to talk to him. No. A dude that is a platoon outfielder that is constantly hurt. Yeah. Um, I love him. 
I really, really like Tyler Naquin. Me too. And I would say of those three, he's the only one that I like would care about bringing back because he, when healthy, is pretty damn good and super important for the bottom of this lineup. But I mean, you could probably find plenty of dudes that do that. I mean, I, you know, eh, I, I like it. It may be more of a case of, I just like him <laughs> more than anything else, but well, he does fit in the team pretty well. Well, I mean, even I would say, uh, I agree. I think he could, I think he could come back maybe on some kind of, uh, major league camp invite spring training type, uh, minor league preference deal. I don't know. Uh, I, I did opine about, uh, the thought of Jeffrey Rodriguez being that long man. I know on earlier on one of our podcasts. So there goes that idea. But at the same time, I'm not losing sleep over that because the pitching, the, the pitching we have in the system is just an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. But in an era when other guys like uh doll from uh, the Rockies also got non-tendered, he's a yeah. guy that I would have loved to have seen uh, the tribe try to take a stab at, but unfortunately he, he signed elsewhere. Naquin of the three seems kind of like a possibility. I, I guess I've also heard, you no know, Rodriguez might get some kind of minor league invite as yeah, well. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know they liked him. They liked him. Uh, you know, you try to win that Jan Gomes trade. Cause I think right now the Jan Gomes trade's kind of just like a, eh from both you sides know, wash. Yeah. So hey, we'll see what Daniel Johnson brings. I, I, I hey, I I'm gonna get to him in, a, him in a little bit. I'm gonna get to him a little bit in today's episode. I think um, I, I really like him, and I think his time is is here. And ultimately, I think that's why they got rid of Naquin. Well, you've got, I mean, the the worst thing the Indians have going with the with the outfield is, and we've talked about this before, is you just have like 20 guys that are all the same. And it's just going to be who can rise to the top and be a consistent player for you in the outfield. Because, I mean, Naquin is not much different than Luplo, who's not much different from, uh, you know, when he was here, Greg Allen. And then you've got, you know, your center fielders of like Zimmer, DeShields, Mercado, Naylor is going to fit in there somewhere potentially there or first base. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of this like never ending carousel of just like which guy's going to hit 240 and, <laughs> and you know, I mean, it's injured. just like nobody, yeah, and like stay alive on the field. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I, I just think we're not, the season is not going to really crystallize for like what our, our full starting r- roster is going to be until that Lindor trade happens. Because, yeah, right. so, like, if they're going to get a stud who's going to be, even if they just do a Clint Frazier straight-up swap, right there, okay, cool, now you've filled the void in right field. Mercado is probably going to be your center fielder. Sure. And then you can platoon left field. So then... Like, or Naylor is your left fielder. You right. Could, you could, you know... Totally, you know, yeah. Have so, like... Have a semi-permanent... Semi yeah. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I love Naquin that walk-off inside the park home run is like one of my favorite memories in the last five to 10 years from like a regular season game. It's incredible. He He's really good, but he's injured all the time. He's turning 30, uh, yeah. not super consistent with the bat. I know it's 
super low amount of money. We're talking about $2 million here for pro sports. But at the same time, if they're going to be a penny pension organization, like you said, Steve, all these guys are pretty much the same. And if they're planning on getting an outfielder in the trade anyway, why spend the money when you could look to re-sign somebody like Cesar Hernandez to fill a void in uh, your middle infield? So, like, I I get why they did it. I I hope they they can get him even cheaper. That'd be awesome. Um, and maybe he stays healthy, and maybe he hits two fifty, and and you still get your right fielder in a trade, and Mercado stays healthy, and then you have your full outfield, and that would be awesome. But if you're talking about eight guys who are all going to be interchangeable, you might as well just not spend the money uh, because you're probably going to get a, a starter in your big trade coming up. Save the million and a half for paying a guy league minimum. Yeah. And see what you have in some of these young guys. Totally. I yeah. It, and it opens I think, up. That I think spot. that's kind of the thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. You're totally right. Uh, the, the, the lasting memory uh, for me with Naquin will be that his dad uh, made a, uh, a picnic table or a, a, a squirrel feeder picnic table for my mom. That's amazing. <laughs> his, his dad does like woodwork. And on, I, I hit up Tyler Naquin on Instagram and uh, I had his dad make like a bird, a squirrel feeder that was just a uh, the it's the obviously the shape of a picnic table, and we put it against the fence with like a corn cob in the middle. So. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's the uh, lasting Naquin memory uh, that will you know outlast his mem- his uh, time here with the team. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do think there are some like. <sighs> You know, they're all pipe dreams, I guess, at this point. But there are some free agent outfielders that I like. I've eyed up that I'm like, it would be possible if you guys were even thinking about spending money. Like Brantley, I would say Jock Peterson would even be a potential option mm-hmm. um, if they were at all interested in spending money. Which again, I have two. I have two ways that they could do this for free agency. They could go the route of making like a, a semi splash in the outfield and signing like a Jock Peterson. He's 29, had a down year, but like actually is not that bad of a hitter. I would love that. I would love Peterson. I freaking love to have Jock Peterson, of course. Like obviously. A whole 40 home run bat potentially in the middle of the lineup? Like, yes, yeah. please. With, with you, Reyes? Dude, like you just, just imagine you put, that. If you re-sign, let's just do the, the one of our crappiest trade options of Clint Frazier, straight up. You got Peterson and Frazier and Mercado. That's your outfield. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not even a put yes, That's like a decent outfield. That's pretty that's a, good. Yeah. And Naylor's not to, mention, not to mention all the other, you know, the Daniel Johnsons of the world, the Naylors, the Jake Bowers that you still have. Yep. Exactly. So you could go that route. The other route that I was thinking was you re-sign, say, say the Indians uh make a make the Lindor trade and get like a starting outfielder. Say it, say it's, let's get friggin' nuts and say it's Dominic Smith from the Mets. Mm, and Naylor's yes. your left. Say, say he, uh, you've got Naylor, Dominic Smith, and why not Mercado? Then what you do is you re-sign Cesar to a deal. And then at short, you sign Andrelton Simmons, who's a free agent, uh, who was with the Angels for a while literally regarded as one of the best, if not the best defensive shortstop in baseball has had a really nice offensive career. He's like 
you know, consistently hitting around 300, no power really, but like he's a great bat to have in the lineup. I think you could realistically sign both of those guys as your middle infield. If you were to make only, if you were to sign nobody else, totally, and you make a Lindor trade, I think the team is like vastly improved. Yeah, by yeah. making those especially defensively. Deals. My only question to you, Steve, right. would be how long would you re-sign the uh, Simmons, or how will, or not re-sign, but sign Simmons, knowing mm-hmm. that you have Yu Chang on the book, Yu uh, Chang on the roster. Uh, you have. Uh, so Andrewton Simmons, Tyler Freeman, right. you have Owen Miller. He's thirty-one. The uh, so he's thirty-one. Yeah, two two years. See, I, one year? I'd say. I mean, I'd say two with like the possibility for three because yeah. because here's what you're here's if you go that route two to three years that gives some of these young guys that time to get acclimated to the yeah. league and you know it's like. I don't think a Nolan Jones or a Tyler Freeman necessarily is going to come right into the lineup and just start mashing, you know? No. Why not to not mention, give... some of those guys haven't even played many games above double A. Exactly. Like, Nolan Jones hasn't played above double A. And, and two to three I years mean, is super probably young, what Hernandez but... is going to be looking for, too. So then yeah. you, you, you pair say them you, up. Say you have like the middle... Yeah. yeah. Say you have your middle infield locked up for two to three years with Cesar Hernandez and, and Andrelton Simmons as these young guys start to like enter the fold and you kind of see what you have. Uh, Simmons was hurt last year. So if he becomes a dud of a signing, then yeah, you've got like Yu Chang or you've got whoever's coming up to potentially fill the void. But that's two veterans that have just great bats. And this lineup desperately needs bats, not doesn't have to be power. Contact bats. Contact. Give me bats. the contact bats. And Andrelton Simmons and Cesar are two of the best at that. And if I would, I, I mean, if you're constructing the roster for next year and you make those two signings, which are very, very cheap by the estimates I've seen. Totally. C- Cesar is like a one year deal, a lot of people think. Um, yeah, six, seven million. Yeah. You do that deal for two years, even. And you make a Lindor trade that that has to involve an outfielder, and boom, your team is just worlds. We save Dominic Smith because then you have three guys with Franmo, Dominic Smith, and Ramirez who can all easily get you thirty home runs. And then you get then you then all you're trying to do you don't need any more mashers because Perez is probably going to give you fifteen to twenty. All you Hernandez will probably also give you ten to fifteen. But all you need is guys who get on base. Then that's all you're looking okay. for. Just get guys mm-hmm. on base. Yep. Spread out, spread out Reyes, uh, Ramirez, and uh, and Smith, and and yeah, you'll you'll be set. You'll be averaging well above what they average this year in terms of runs. You'll probably be averaging four and a half to five runs a game. Yeah, it's honestly, not sexy, I, but it's it's not sexy. But I think that's the way that the front office is kind of moving. Truth be told, just kind of reading the tea leaves, I think they're looking for more of those contact bats, and. Fabs, like you just said, you have three mashers. You don't need, you don't need eight mashers. Yeah, no, you don't. That, that's yeah. not, that's that, yeah. that, that's all fun and games. Exactly. But. Give me, give me, uh, like five other dudes who can get on base, like pretty consistently, who don't strike out a ton. Some of them could be speedy to steal some bases, yeah. and as long as they're good defensively, like you're pretty set. Because then Perez is also he's good. He's a good bat at the end of your. Uh, at the end of your lineup in like the eight or the nine hole, who's going to hit for 230 to 240 and 
15 to 22 home runs. Yeah, he's shown he can hit 20 home runs easily. Yeah, and then Hernandez, he he can get you 10 to 15 home runs, hit 260. If he's in the eight hole, that's better than we've been trotting out there for like basically five seasons now. And then you're basically filling two or three other spots with like young guys. And if any of them has a breakout year, holy God, that's just like, that's the cherry on top. You don't even if need Daniel that. Johnson just shows up and 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 has all. a great yeah right. If he hits ten, to if 15, he has a rookie season like like Mercado did, Mercado oh did, my god, yeah. that'd be great. Right. Yeah, if Mercado goes back to his rookie year stats, yep, yeah, right. If he yeah, if he even goes like if he two seventy fifteen right. home runs, right? You know, I think it's just. I mean, I, the more I think about it, the more that I th- I, I agree with you, Chris, on that. Is I think the they're, it, it's very unsexy signings. It's not like you're going to go make some splash for Marcelo Zuna, which I don't even necessarily think that's the best choice. It's let me gra- let's sign two middle infielders that are throughout their careers known for being consistent hitters, guys who get on base, guys who mm-hmm. hit doubles, guys who do whatever. They don't strike out a ton. Um, they do what they have to do to get on base. Um, Cesar this year was our most clutch hitter. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he led, the, he was, he led, didn't he lead all of baseball in doubles too? Or tied? He was up he there. Was up yeah. there. Yeah, he, he was, was up yeah. there. It, it was a pretty incredible season actually for him. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's the like, guy has been doing that for three years, very quietly in Philadelphia and now Cleveland. Yeah. I should know. I had him on my fantasy baseball team. Not I've a had, sexy, hey man. not a sexy guy, but you know what? If that's my lowest point on my fantasy team, yeah, I mean that's that him. like 11th, 12th okay. round money that you look for, where you're yeah. just like, oh, I can't believe he's available, right? And that was that's Simmons too. Like I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I pick him off the scrap heap in fantasy, and he ends up on my team the rest of the year. It's just that's the kind of player just, he is. Yeah, so, solid dudes, and that's what the Indians need. And I, I really, really, truly think making those two got, signings, you know, there's always the splashier. Guys, I mean, you know, there's all those bigger free agents that are out there. You know, we were talking about Jackie Bradley Jr. before this and just like all sorts of uh, names out there that like if you even are even thinking about it, it's like your your head's in the clouds. It's like you got to start thinking yeah. about these types of deals. I mean, deals, like if they know? are going to spend a little money, it, if they do the, the shore up the middle infield like you guys have been talking about, let's say they get Dominic Smith in the trade and spend a little money and they either signed Brantley or Peterson. That's like probably the favorite to win the AL. I think you'd be, you don't and the scary sign. thing with all of that too, is your payroll might be pushing 60, 65. I know that's what sucks about it. It's like, we, <laughs> we, we, you've, like, we literally created a team that like can, will be right up there competing for like an AL pennant. And we, it, I know it's not going to happen. They're going to spend like $50 million. But for like $65 million, which is also this, that's not a lot of money. That will put you in the bottom third of all MLB. Yeah, right. That'll that's put you like, in the bottom like we keep five, talking probably. like it's like, oh. Yeah, that'll put you in like the bottom five of all MLB payrolls. Like I think Pittsburgh, that, Tampa, Baltimore might be lower. Detroit. Oh, Detroit and uh, Miami. I'm sorry. Forgot about those two teams. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the awesome. other thing, too, and, and this is something that, it seems to escape. And then if I, if I have one criticism of the front office, and maybe, hey, I don't know what their directives are, but 
you make some of these offseason signings, like we just mentioned, okay? With the thought that, hey, you know what? We really do still like Nolan Jones. We still do like uh, Tyler Freeman. We just want them to get some more seasoning in Columbus. If they tear it up down there, you now have a trade piece, which seems to be something that has escaped the way that this team operates for as long as I can remember. Honestly, I mean, we don't make these. Yeah, we don't make these signings, these these sound rational signings, and then in the back of our mind go, well, you know, we could trade this guy down the line too. Right. Well, there's, I mean, there's always the uh, the the notion of, you know, you never know. You, a prospect is always an unproven thing. Exactly. And the prospect's a prospect until they're not. Until they're not. And, I mean, the majority of prospects don't become what you hope they would be. Like, no. that's how baseball is. So, I mean, they're always looking for players with, that they can keep control of for at least like two seasons. So it's, they rarely are renting players, the yeah. Indians, if they're going to, especially if they're going to trade like a prospect. So, you know, they got, but you don't think a, a team Oakland, Oakland's a perfect example. They'll get these guys and they'll ship them off if it's not working or if they need that extra little piece, you know, to put them over the top for the playoff run. Yeah. No, I think, well, yeah, and I, the I Rays have been, oh, good. the Rays have been busy this off season, uh, trading a few guys. Yeah. Shape. It could be when you're look, when you're a small market team, like the Rays, the A's and the Indians are in there, no matter what people like to believe sometimes it's like, that's just the way it is. You can't have that sort of emotional, attachment to some of these guys. You have to literally treat it like it's a business where you're maximizing your return. It's like the stock market, like you were talking about, Fabs. It's like, hey, uh, if I can get, you know, a better return by doing this, like, I'm not going to sell this stock at this lower price just because I like it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to it too long when its value depletes. It's I'm going to sell it when it's at its highest and get my best possible return. That's the Lindor trade. That's going to be, you know, I don't know, whatever else they end up doing. It's like, or or when they traded Bauer, you know, it's like, we're not even going to try to make this work. It's like, screw it. Let's go get ourselves a middle of the order guy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, I think that was a a good example of right time and getting some like a a controllable asset who's also going to be like ready to start. I do think they've been a little what Chris has said, they've been a little gun shy to be creative mid season other than picking up some guys who've like gone on the, like on waivers. Um, mm-hmm. I think their most creativity you saw was that 2016 season when they traded, they're like, we need that closeout guy in our pen. So they went for Andrew Miller. They, they got rid of their, and they had him for, they had him under control. Right. And yep. <clears throat> I, I, I think they, there has been hesitation where I think they held on to Lindor too long. Um, I think once after after that 2017 season, where it was clear the Yankees were like they had overtaken us, and the Astros were like right there too. They won the World Series that year, fraudulently, might I might I add. Um, <laughs> but but I, that's when I would have tried to trade Lindor. 
because I think they could have gotten <laughs> like three years on this deal. Well, I mean, could you imagine the fan backlash though? But dude, if they okay, and they, that, and unfortunately, that's what this this. I know that this, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I know, but I feel like the front office has to also play fan backlash with yeah ownership. Okay, then okay, the well, yeah, balancing mean, act. You're probably no. Right I mean, you would have gotten. You would have gotten oh, yeah. King's ransom. Well, that, okay, so, certainly. So, so okay, I, I I would say okay. Then you wait another season because you maybe you. I mean, don't you can do that. Know the Yankees have passed you because okay. because it's like oh that was a fluke like we should have we were up 2-0 on them but once the Astros kick your ass the following year that's when you do it because yeah. then it's like After okay 18. these teams are like definitely like we're not we're not there yeah it's you could you could you could have probably gotten. Uh, a huge like starter, like starting pitcher, to immediately because at that point you don't you Bieber doesn't exist really in the his present form. Yeah. Kluber's like still in great in great form. Clevenger's not in his present form yet. Carrasco, um, I think he was injured during that that season at some point. So like you can get a starter, and you could have probably gotten two other like starting lineup guys. And I think they, I, 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 I just think. The Indians got a bad beat with, I mean, it's a game. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, COVID has impacted people way beyond baseball. But from a baseball lens, they probably end up trading Lindor at the, at the like, right after the All-Star break. If this was a normal length season, to give that the team a playoff push. Because this year, it's like, well, we're in first place or right there. We could sneak in and just like make a crazy run because it's a weird year for everybody. And so like right. I get their justification for keeping him. But if it's a normal season, Lindor is gone after the Oscar break. Oh yeah, that's tough. It's Sorry, I threw like a rash- thousand things to unpack there. Well, no, but <laughs> no, but that's a tough rationalization. It's like if you're if say the say it was a normal season and the Indians were in the hunt and they went and traded like their best player. But in a normal season, are they in the hunt? I, what I'm saying by that is, but, I, I mean, don't mean making, to make the postseason. I mean to win a World Series. Because I mean, the, the thing about baseball though is, you make the playoffs, you. but you make the playoffs in baseball. You're you've got as good a chance as anyone, and with that pitching staff, there's no way you can count out the Indians if they make the postseason. I know, like okay, that. I know you're right. I know you're it, right. I'm just like trying. I also think there's like I I know magic can happen in the postseason. But also, I know that the Astros and Yankees aren't going to play each other in that first round. So I'm going to have to beat both of them to get to a World Series. And that's very difficult to do. And I, I'm just trying to like think practically. Because like I, I mean, I wanted to sign, re-sign Lindor forever. Like I would still love it if they had the money to do it. They don't. But I, I just like at a certain point, you also need to realize like, hey, just maybe making the postseason. Or setting ourselves up for having one year where we take two steps back, but then the next year we can take four or five steps forward. But now it's really difficult because now you have Lindor for one year. Like you're giving a team Lindor for one year. The finances are all messed up. So trying to re-sign him long-term is even more difficult to assure that you're going to have him beyond this year. And your best team that you could pair him with just won the World Series in the Dodgers. In that a team that was going to give you something stupid for him. That's why I think the the whole Lindor trade fabs, like you said, that's really going to set the tone for whatever they do in free agency. Yeah, that's going to be right because even when I was looking at you know potential holes on this roster, I go okay, first base. Now that Santana's gone, that's a potential hole, but there's 
five internal candidates that I think they're going to turn to first there. And then everywhere else that I see a hole, I go, oh, but you could get a player or possibly two in a Lindor trade that fills that hole. And I think that's really what's stopping them from doing anything in free agency to thus to this point. But on the flip side, there's really only four or five teams that are looking to spend money this offseason. And right. like you said, you know, unfortunately, uh, COVID's kind of put them in that corner. Um, and we all uh, had the same certain, four or five teams. That Yeah, yeah, we did. I mean, we did. Only I mean, a few teams can afford a $300 million contract. That's just like yeah. how baseball is. He's not going to go to Tampa Bay. It's like, oh, yeah, if you give no. us a, a Ruzarona, like, I'll take it. But he's not re-signing in Tampa for $10 million a year. So that's not going to happen. Not at all. Not at all. And maybe Tampa makes that deal in 2018. You know, maybe when yeah. they have three years of control with them and they know that, okay, we have three years of control, but we could ship him off with a year remaining to a, totally. a New York or an L.A. or a Toronto. It would have worked this year because they would have gone to the World Series with Lindor and probably, like, I mean, yeah. would they win it? Like say that say the Rays make that deal, you know. But that, see, a that's what's years interesting ago. with baseball. That that's not like I don't a lot of like I think the the A's are like really one of the only teams that does stuff like that because that's like the base the basketball mentality where it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this guy or I'm gonna trade for this guy because I know that in two years like I can use him for two years now and like maybe we'll make a run, but in two years. Like he, his contract is X or I can trade him for X because this guy would then be available. And that's not like a baseball right. mentality. And I wish it was no. because like the, that that's like some fun Jedi basketball stuff that we would see with like David Griffin where he pulls these like moves where it's like, oh, like I, I think our front office is like one of the best in baseball that, at evaluating talent. But I, I just, I don't think they're always the best of like in season um going all in or, or making that trade uh, outside they get too of conservative. They do. They totally do. And I think that's one of the lasting ramifications of uh Moneyball. Uh because I mean looking back at Moneyball, it's like, well, you guys are also picking up 37 year old David Justice who may or may not have been using steroids. <laughs> uh I mean you got you guys did catch lightning in a bottle. But no, but I think a lot of that the those same philosophies have carried now a decade plus down the line, like you said, Fabs, where yes, the A's are a team like that that makes that trade with an eye, you know, one eye to the future, but one eye to how does this also help them down the line too? Yeah. So uh, kind of wrapping it up here, that's kind of where things sit. Uh, we're sort of in a, a state of uh, just waiting it out. Um, the winter meetings are starting, so you're probably going to hear some by by the time this comes out, you may have, you know, there may be, it's definitely going to have heated up the hot stove. So it could come fast and furious. Like I think, I think in a past episode, I think I predicted Linda would be gone by Christmas. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I got a week. I, I, I was thinking think about that week. too. It's like, when did I say Linda would be gone? I'm sure I I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. we yeah. all said before the new year. Yeah, we all did. We definitely all. I think mine was earlier I mean, than Steve. I think I have to like next Wednesday for him to be gone. I mean, <laughs> that's like, Kind of how it goes sometimes, though, with these winter meetings. Like these guys, this is where that's the trades especially heat up around this time. Because, but that's going to be the big one, though. That's going to like Lindor is the big offseason get this year. Like that's 
That's what oh, maybe so. maybe Arenado, maybe yeah. He doesn't. He does want to be out of there. Yeah, sure. Could story. Be a big one. What's that? Story also is you know there's those rumblings. Oh really? I didn't hear about story one now. Yeah, I don't think he wants out, but I just think that you know the Rockies are also examining. Maybe we trade him. I mean, once again, they have no pitching, so the Rockies yeah, are just doing the Rockies thing. Where what have got... the Rockies ever had pitching? <laughs> Man, I thought Ger- German German uh, Marquez and Kyle Freeland were going to be like the next thing, two anchors of that rotation. I was like, this is going to be fun, and then it was just <laughs> very much <Nope>. not. <laughs> so, <Nope. laughs> uh, before we kind of uh, <laughs> wrap this one up, do you guys have anything else that you wanted to uh, you wanted to touch on? Uh, do you have a, a song you want to sing for Carlos Santana or or what? Here, I'm not going to sing a song, but uh, the only other thought I had was, you know, I again with free agency, I think it's going to all boil down to Lindor. I think that they have a lot of internal options that they like at first base and maybe even in the middle infield, though I do like the, the argument for signing a Simmons and, and bringing C- Cesar back uh, outfield. I think that there's all those internal options. Uh, I think if there is really any movement, we might get a left-handed relief pitcher. Oh, about as, um, about as not fun as you can imagine. Exactly. <laughs> the least exactly. fun thing you could do. I mean, and that's just, I think, the state of, I think that's the state of baseball this offseason. And we're not the only team in that same boat. So I, I don't want, I, and I, I don't like looking at fans on Twitter. And I know that's the, probably the worst place to look at fan reaction because you get the crazies there. But I, I think that's the most realistic. You might get a, a veteran arm or two to kind of, uh, you know, mix in with the with the young guys that they got coming up here because uh they got some fun interesting young power arms here that uh I'm really excited about and but there's no there's no buddy outside of like Wickren who's been been through the the ringer so to speak right. so that's kind of where I'm at with this off season uh Scott Boris had some fun things to say I'm sure we can touch on that at another time too but oh, yeah. uh, other we'll than be that, back. we'll be back with that. Other than that, it's 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 kind of been a boring off season so far. But I expect it to get hot and heavy. It's about to heat up, though. <laughs> get your hand on that hot stove, baby. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Let's, uh, this is so long, Carlos. We'll see you nineteen times a year, buddy. Hopefully, kicking your ass. Uh, but it will it will be very weird to watch him in a uniform yes, super weird. against us. When he went to the Phillies, it was okay. But now that he's playing us as much as he's he is, only going to teams that have Cleveland so. Indian colors, at least. I mean, kind yeah, kind of. So, there's I mean, that it, oil. You can, Phillies really did. Yeah. If you squ- if you like squint, you can kind of yeah. Yeah. There's but, red and blue. That's all you need. Also, yeah. three quarters of Major League Baseball are like red, white, That's and blue. Very true. Yeah, right. Super Dude. American. When the Indians change their name, they're going to go to like purple, orange, <laughs> and like uh, neon, neon pink. I hope they go, like, go yeah, to the Lake Erie Monsters and do like a whole Scottish theme. That'd be amazing. Dude, that'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. All right. So we'll be back. I, that might be the next episode. We've, we've been jonesing to do some uh, predictions on the team. So <laughs> I think uh, we have maybe. to. Yeah. If they don't announce it, it could happen soon. So by the time you listen to this, it could have already happened. So. 
Uh, we'll leave you with that. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, review us, trash us on uh, social media. That would be awesome. Because then at least we know you're listening. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So just be gentle. <laughs> just be gentle with us. Uh, and we will see you guys later. Yeah.